0: This morning's scripture is Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you.
1: Oh, it's good to be together, and it's good to know that the Lord is with us, blessing us in so many ways, and giving us strength. Thank you for being here today. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. This is a rather long section, although I'll not be dealing with all of it, I'll only be dealing with the first six verses and then verses 16 to 18. But there's one point that is at the beginning of the chapter. One point that is so valid and so meaningful, and it was so applicable in the days of Jesus Christ. And I think there's a message for us as well. He says in verse 1, beware, that is, be careful, watch out, take notice. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men, before other people, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And that's his main point, is you don't show out. You're not the focus, God is always the focus. God is always the one that we look to and think about. He's the one that we sing to. He's the one that we pray to. He's the one, his son, we remember whenever we're partaking of the communion. It's God is our focus in every aspect of it. Now he talks about practicing your righteousness. In those days, the idea of righteousness was talking about various acts and various things that people did that were in fulfillment of the will of God. In Matthew 5 and verse 20, he said, For I say that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, now that's an odd thing for them to think about. You think of the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were the religious elite in the days of Jesus. They were the ones that everybody looked to. They were the ones that everybody listened to. They were the ones who had a lot of control in the area of the synagogues. Yeah, you remember it was the Pharisees and the scribes who said if anybody believes in Jesus, they'll be cast out of the synagogue. That was an important thing. When you began to think about the scribes and the Pharisees, they had all of their traditions and they laid on other people heavy, heavy burdens, burdens which were not found in the old law. In the scriptures but rather came from the traditions of men but they did a lot of righteous things and they thought if they did these things that these things were what made them righteous Romans talks about how that they were seeking a righteousness of their own Romans 10 verse 1 and that's how they lived now Jesus was not condemning the righteous acts themselves Rather, he was talking about someone who was genuine, somebody who was authentic, somebody who was real. And Genuine genuine was the focus of really what he was talking about, not the acts themselves. His concern was motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your motivation for giving alms? What's your motivation for praying? What's your motivation for fasting? Now, the same act of righteousness can either be right or be wrong, and a lot of it depended on the heart of the person who was doing it. And, of course, the difference was in how people see you because sometimes your motivation is so evident to people that they begin to see you rather than what you have done. And that's what Jesus was talking about. In Matthew 23, verses 5 to 7, there Jesus describes the Pharisees and the scribes this way. He says, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries, and they lengthen the tassels of their garments. When Jack and I went to Israel several years ago, there were numbers of Jews who would wear the phylacteries. They would have the thing wrapped around their left arm and on their head left hand, a little box that had a scroll in it. They would have around their head a box that was square that would be there with another scroll in it. Usually it was the Shema that they had there. But in those situations, some of these people would make it real big instead of small so that everybody would know that they were doing what they were doing. They had tassels on the end of their garments. There was supposed to be one that would hang down on the four points. And they would make them big so everybody would know that this was a religious, pious person. They were showing off, showing out. Now, public acts are not all bad. We shouldn't think that. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount itself, he says, let your light so shine that men may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5 and verse 16. He wanted them to see that, but the purpose of seeing those good deeds was to glorify your Father who is in heaven, not to glorify you. That was the difference between the two. And so they lengthened the tassels of their garments. Going back to Matthew 23, it says they love the place of honor at banquets, and the chief seats of the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. It was this kind of notice, being noticed, that was so important in their lives and in what they were. Mark chapter 12 and 38 to 40 talks about the same thing. Jesus was teaching them saying, "Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearances' sake they offer long prayers." these will receive greater condemnation. Why? Because again, what they were doing was showing off. They became the show. They became the thing to look at. And they took the focus off of God. Folks, when we take the focus off of God and put it on ourselves, we make a big mistake. Now Jews frequently used the word hypocrite in the sense of a pretender, somebody who pretended to do something that he didn't intend to do. And sometimes that was deceptive because the ancient people who were actors wore masks. They were on a stage. They were performers and not real worshipers. I remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 2 in verse 28. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. And that's the way it must be, that God is the one that we look to, that God is the one that we worship. Even in our prayers, we pray our Father, and we are speaking to Him. When we think about our worship, God has always desired genuine worship, true worship, In John chapter 4 and verses 23 and 4, Jesus is there with this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman who had been married five times and was living with a man. And it's so interesting some of the things that Jesus says and the only times that we hear some of those things are what he says to this woman. But he says in verse 23, an hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And truth That is, they're going to be genuine. Yes, they'll do it like God wants. But it's this authenticity of the heart and this authenticity, the truthfulness of the way they worship, that really matters to God. Now look what he tells this woman. Would this be someone that you would think would be some great worshiper like a Pharisee? No, no, no. What he says to this woman, for such people, that is, that true worshiper, that genuine worshiper, that one who worships in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. He wants someone who's genuine and real and authentic. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice the word Must. Must. I think all of us at times pretend. We may wish we didn't. But when I look at Jesus and what he's talking about here, he's encouraging genuineness and true spirituality as opposed to hypocrisy and self-righteousness. As I mentioned in classical Greek, the word hypocrite referred to an actor on the stage. And sometimes it was the same actor and he would put on one mask and go and change his clothes and then put on another mask and be more than one person. But he was always pretending to be somebody that he wasn't. Always trying to be something that he was not. And the true person behind that mask was not the person in front of that mask. When I think about genuine righteousness, it always comes from the heart. You remember the Pharisees had lots of problems. They had all of these traditions of men and they had all of these commandments of men that they were binding on other people. They even accused Jesus of being sinful in Matthew 15 and Mark seven because he didn't wash his hands according to the tradition of the elders, the men that they were following. And so he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy concerning you, prophesy of you hypocrites? And then he says, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's the way it was, because they taught doctrines as the commandments of men. Their hearts were really far from God. They were thinking about what their fathers had said and what they believed and what they were showing out to everybody rather than what God was saying. And they would even annul the word of God in order to promote their tradition. Their hearts were far from God. True religion has a heart that is close to God and loves Him with all the heart and soul and mind and strength. Now, nothing escapes the eye of the Father. He sees everything, even the most private of acts. And so when a person does something privately, and he does it out of love for God and love for others, God notices, God sees, and He rewards him accordingly. And so we have three illustrations of this principle first one was the giving of alms. This would be sometimes things that people would give to charity and sometimes it would be to support things that took place that were in the temple. But here this giving of alms is talking about to the needy. And so he says in Matthew six verses two to four, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Now we don't fully know exactly what was taking place here. We don't have any record in all of the ancient writing of anybody actually sounding a trumpet before giving to someone needy. But we do know that in the temple there were some charity boxes that people would put money into. And they were shaped like a trumpet. They were narrow at the top and were very wide at the bottom. And when you would put your coins in there, it would cling and clank and make a noise. And it may be that's what he was talking about. Or it may be that whenever they would privately give something, they would say something and then it would be told to everybody and and all kinds of praise would come back to him. Whatever it was, they were doing it to be seen. And so he says, don't you sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. No, no, no. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There are some things that you just don't tell anybody. You do it because you love God, not to be seen. Well, because they did it before men, they have their reward. Then he talks about praying, praying in public. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And so he says, truly I say to you that they have their reward. They've already received it. But when you pray, You you go into your room. King James uses the word closet. It's just an inner room, maybe a storeroom, someplace where you go and you're alone and nobody else is there. You go into your room and you, you shut the door and you pray in secret to your Father and He's in secret with you. God's with you no matter where you are. You are never alone and nothing escapes His notice and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, many times they would pray, stop during the day and pray. Sometimes they would pray in the morning, mid-morning, sometimes at noon and sometimes over toward the afternoon in the evening. There were different times that they would stop and pray and no matter where they were or what they were doing, maybe they went to the synagogue to pray. Or maybe they were out on a street corner where there were a bunch of people all around and praying. But here were a group of people that they sought someplace to pray where everybody else was. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. And because of it, they got their reward. When we pray, prayer is not to inform God or others about all that we've done. It's to thank Him to confess our sins, to adore Him, to praise Him, to love Him, to ask for the things that we need from His hands. Luke chapter 18 talks about some people who prayed and apparently the Lord Jesus knew about this. Luke 18 and verse nine says, and He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And viewed other people with contempt. Do you see how that they were in the judging business at that point? We have to be careful that we don't do that. We don't always know what the motive of somebody else is. But they were thinking, oh, because I do this and I do this and I do this, I'm really righteous and look at this person over here. They don't care about this. They don't care about that. And so he told this story. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, a publican. And the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. I like the way the New American puts this. He wasn't praying to God, he was praying to himself. And he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers and unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he says, I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all that I get. I think Jesus kind of got tired of listening to him and he stops right there. This fellow wasn't praying to God. He was reading his resume. He was talking about how righteous he was and how good he was. And he wanted everybody to know all about it. Maybe he made long his prayers and maybe he made it loud, but everybody was hearing it. And then there was the other man, the tax collector. But the tax collector... Standing some distance away. He wasn't up in front of everybody. And he was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven. In those days, when people prayed, they prayed with their palms up. We pray like this, but they prayed like that. Not up here, like this. And they lifted their eyes up toward God, like a child beseeching a father, one looking up to the greatness and the grandeur and showing their dependence upon God. Well, here was this tax collector who was so ashamed of himself that he wouldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven. And maybe he had heard the loud prayer of that Pharisee or even like that tax collector. And so what he said was, God, you could almost hear the broken heart. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's the way it is in the original language, the sinner. And I suspect this tax collector had been called... Well, there goes that sinner. And that's what people thought of him. And when he prayed, he prayed for forgiveness. Be merciful. And so Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. That was the way God looked into the heart this man and then there is the third thing about the fasting and the importance of what you do when you fast he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 whenever you fast don't, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do for they neglect their appearance so that they'll be noticed they want to be noticed by men to see that they're fasting, that they're really suffering. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when, when you fast, you anoint your head and you wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who's in, who sees in secret and what's done in secret will reward you. They would put on that gloomy, mournful face and it would look so sad. Look what I'm giving up. Look what I'm suffering because I'm not feeding myself. They wouldn't clean up. They wouldn't wash their face. They didn't do the normal thing of anointing themselves. They usually used a little olive oil to anoint themselves so that they would look respectable. And all they wanted was the praise of men. And what they should have done is just fasted in private Not let anybody know about it. Just do it because it was the right thing to do and God who sees in secret would bless them. Now these actors or these hypocrites pretended to be one thing when in reality what they were wanting was something else. Galatians chapter one and verse 10 tells us, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Yes, the circumstances in Galatia were very different than what we're talking about with Jesus, but the point is still true, that if our goal is to please men rather than to please God, we've failed our God, and we failed ourselves. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. There the prophet writes through inspiration of God that the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it, he says. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God knows your heart and he knows my heart and he tests us and examines us. And oh, how much better it would be if, when we come close to God, we take a few moments to examine ourselves so that whenever we worship, we worship in a worthy manner that gives respect and honor and reverence to God. Psalm 26 and verse 2 David cried out, Examine me, O Lord. And try me, test my mind and my heart. And that's a good thing for us to think about, to ask God to do that. Would God know the answer? Of course he would know the answer. God already knows what's in your heart even before you ask him to try you and test you. Look at Psalm 139, the last two verses of that great psalm. And David again writes in verse 23, Search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Now when he cried this out, it was not that he wanted God to know. It was that he wanted to know himself. God, see what I can't always see. Know what I can't always know and let me know. And if there's some hurtful way, some grievous way, if there's something in me that isn't what it ought to be, let me get rid of it. Lead me in the everlasting way. God wants your heart as well as your life, He wants it all. Let us be genuine and authentic in real let me ask you as we conclude this is your heart right with God I can't answer that you must answer that for yourselves and I must answer it for me now if I'm asking is your heart right with God and it is not then what about your soul Is your soul right with God? If it's not, and you need to become a Christian, believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ. Repent of your sins and turn away from them and live for the Lord. Confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized that your sins may be washed away. If you're a brother or sister and your heart hasn't been right toward God and you haven't been true and authentic and genuine, maybe it's time that you turned your heart around and repented and got right with God, confessing those sins and asking God to forgive you. If you have a need this morning, this is the time to respond while we stand and sing.